So I'm <clears throat> coming off of a pretty emotional day yesterday. And I woke up this morning and I immediately went, I get to do what I want. <laughs> I'm a 13-year-old boy. Any South Park uh, fans out there? Cartman. Um, and I woke up and I felt that because I wanted to run from, uh, you know, negativity, feelings, duality, shadow. And then I stopped in the moment that I woke up. And I said, wait a minute. That's not really what I'm doing. I want to sit. And I am in charge of my process of when I move, of when I lay down, of when I pray, of when I don't pray, of when I sit. And I said, yeah, that's right. I'm in charge, me. And so I walked over to a local church in this new neighborhood that I just moved into. And I paced for a minute. I thought about the dreams that I had last night, the space that I was in and in the dream world and in my mind. And I said, yeah, that's right. And I thought to myself, what's right? What, what are you saying is right? And I, as I sat here in this church, I look up and I see God first then the rest. When I was young <laughs> and in high school, I had a necklace and it said, try God on it. And because of a lot of things that energy, things out of my control that were not mine, I walked away and I was like, fuck God, fuck Jesus, I'm out. And then X, Y, Z, because it's not just one thing I'm realizing, not just God, not just Jesus. It is all of that. And we are connected to God. We are connected to source. We are, are, are truly a drop of water and the entire ocean. In the same moment, And I sit here this morning, it's beautiful Friday morning. It's beautiful. I'm full of hope and renewal and love, love, love. And something that has rubbed me wrong a long time is obedience. I don't like being told what to do, y'all. Who does? Gosh. <laughs> and I realized that there's a verse in Psalms, Psalms 33. You might read 18 through 22. And it talks about trusting and obedience and love. And I always heard obey. I forgot about the trust part because it is trust and obey. (laughs) 
Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, he will make your path straight. God, source, us, me, I make my path straight. LJ, I make my path straight. Because I am part of God. I am part of source. I am part of Jesus. I am part of Buddha. I am part of this earth. The soil that we sit on is sacred. Put your feet in the grass. Move. Love. In my mind, I sing that. There's a song, too, of that verse that's Trust and obey with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will make your paths straight. And do you know what I hear? My own little mashup. I go into, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. The age of Aquarius. 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 I've always heard that. Always. That's from a little musical called Hair. <laughs> I don't know if y'all remember that. And I truly believe we are in the age of Aquarius. That we are new. You know why? Because every morning we are born new. We have a choice. Sure, stay in that muckiness. If you need, and know that that muck, that mire, that shadow is beautiful. We see the light of the moon because of the sun. <laughs> and there's beauty in that. There's beauty in severe, severe pain, severe and we don't, I don't discredit that, me. I don't, I don't discredit that. God doesn't discredit that. God doesn't, God sees that and he holds space for it and he loves you and he carries you through it. And that used to really piss me off. Being carried, being protected, being sheltered. Because I've seen a lot of fucking shadow in my 41 years in this life, in this incantation here on earth. A lot. And bitches, we don't talk about it at all. We don't talk about the times I've, I've taken things from grocery stores. The times that um, my period has a, a very normal part of life, love, river of life, if you will. But how it crushed me as a as a as an adolescent because of lack of 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 pads, lack of ways to care for for myself, for my body. You know what else blood does? It, it has iron in it. It nourishes our plants. It's beautiful. I'm gonna talk about all of it on this podcast. Because it's all beauty. 
panic, tragedy. They're one beat away from love. They're in the same moment, actually. I'm the one that needs the beat, right? We are the ones that need to find our own heartbeat because it's connected to Mother Earth. We are perfectly imperfect. We are perfect. I am perfect. I am healed. I am love. You are too. And each morning, sometimes our circumstances, we wake up. And they're still impossible. (laughs) Yep. And we make a choice. And some days the choice is absolutely stay in bed and know that you are held and you are carried. I feel really deeply and there are things in this life, there are moments, there are tragedies like George Floyd that I've never even been able to watch because I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I'm going to leave it at that because if I go deeper right now, I will not stay in what I call, what therapists call, what is called our, our, our window of tolerance because there is always a sandwich, right? Like before, middle, and ending. Always there, 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 there. I see them sometimes as parentheses, as a hug, if you will. Of protection. Everybody has that. I want to bring that to the world. Protection. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to show, teach, and guide y'all in that. That's my intention for this project, this passion project that I'm putting out. My podcast, Inside Out. Let's talk just a minute about what inside out means. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, that animated show, Inside Out. It's a good one to watch if you all want to. And really think about it. Think about our brain. Think about our minds. Um, And the power of creation within our mind. As someone with complex PTSD, that show was me. That's my mind. If, if you want to see into a beautiful mind, into a beautiful nerd's mind, watch that show. Hold space for that. Hmm. I just thought of my grandma. That bitch was fucking strong as fuck. Talk about fed me raw hamburger, smoked a fucking cigarette right in my face. (laughs) Fucking bugged and thugged every day. You know what we did? We'll tell you. We'll end with a story. How's that? (laughs) I used to go to my grandma's house, my grandma and grandpa's house. Their address was 1122. That's why that was the number I just saw. An angel number, if you will. (laughs) 
I went over there every day before I started kindergarten. And then I would go after kindergarten. But I remember those days before kindergarten. <laughs> the days of between one and five, baby and five, when, when, when I'm learning that we're in theta, I believe, wavelengths. And we're basically in this like dream state, right? This hypnosis kind of vibe when you're really formed your mind that is <laughs> and I'd go over there <laughs> and look we did a lot of shit a lot of times I'd eat bacon bits on top of white toast with butter my favorite breakfast <laughs> orange juice strawberries watermelon all of that was abundant and the thing that I remember the most is We'll, we'll tell two stories. One, I remember dancing to the Sesame Street theme. <laughs> and this woven rug that she had that probably my granny, her mom, made. or you know, The details don't matter. But there was strength in that rug because it was a family rug. It was an ancestral rug. And we would dance and we would spin and spin and spin. And I would get dizzy to the Sesame Street theme, right? <laughs> and I remember opening my eyes, looking right in her eyes. And that would regulate it all. The dizziness would go away. Any kind of pain that was at home would go away because I was with grandma. <laughs> We'd also play a game with our family. I'll tell a few stories. And we'll end with the good one, <laughs> with the one I was thinking of. But we, we'd play this game called Spoons. Do you guys know Spoons? Do y'all play cards anymore? And we it's like a little thing. And you, you, you pass it around, the circle, the cards. And then you wait till you get, I don't know, three, three of a kind. And then you grab a spoon. But listen, you had to be real stealthy about it. Now, was, was LJ ever stealthy about it? No. <laughs> Bitch, I'd just be like, give me them spoons. <laughs> and, then, and then once one person had the spoon, everybody could grab the spoon until there was the person without the spoon left. Now, I always wanted to be that person who got that very first spoon. Don't we all? But the story I really wanted to tell you was, I'll end on this, because it's all about fun. That's, that's another thing to remember in this impossibility and this love and this magic that we've created in this new earth. It's fun. Have fun. Dance. Roll in the grass. As you wish. That's a good movie. But I would go to grandma's and we would play poker and she would teach me how to gamble and she taught me a lot. But every day we would watch four shows, okay? Because it was daytime TV. These shows probably still on, so Bopper's still on. So is the last part. <laughs> Don't was giving it away. But we would watch All My Children, One Life to Live. General Hospital. And then as a nice little palate cleanser, before I'd go home, we'd watch WWF. <laughs> Wrestling, right? I think it's called WWE now. What's that guy's name? Oh, am I going to remember it? <laughs> he was a 
<laughs> he had long blonde hair. I have to Google it. I'll put it in the show notes. But he was my favorite. But you know what wrestling is? Now, not all wrestling. But that wrestling, most of it, is a performance. A show. So today, I want to encourage y'all and myself. Because I'm going to go meet a boy today, a man, that I've had my eye on for a while and dance. So I want to encourage you to put on a show. Get up the best that you can. If you're in bed and you're sad and you're facing, not even sad, you're facing the, the impossibility of a situation that isn't yours, maybe just... Wash your face and go back to bed. Maybe eat some day-old popcorn. Whatever you can muster, whatever self-love you can find. And again, if you can't find it in you, look, look to me right now and know that there is hope because each day we are born new. And each day we die. Every seven years we get a brand new self. Our cells regenerate every seven years. And in every moment you're being reborn. Because not only are we the drop of water in the ocean. We are the bacteria in our skin and and, and the, and the fullness of our bodies. We are it all. And we are loved. And we are carried. Namaste. Give me... Hi. It's LJ. And uh, I was sitting here uh, at the end of a long day, a really good day, a day where I ebbed and flowed, um, you know, the impossible, and then back to, to joy. And But I've ended on just such a good note. And I sat down here to wind down before bed. I look up and I see my two cats <laughs> just chilling <laughs> like the villains they are. <laughs> and I picked up a book that I've had since junior high, high school, I believe. And I look at the end and I can put the book in the show notes for us. And I finally got to the end of the book tonight. Um, which is a feat for me. I'll, I'll admit, uh, I don't really finish books often. <laughs> um, and a lot of that has to do with my autism, thinking in pictures and stress and never really having the time to sit. Um, but now that I um, am no longer in corporate America... I have time to sit and create and learn and go to school, if you will. And the last page of this book is entitled Easter, the New Year. Um, and it says there will be no end to the new creation. And I thought I'd just record it, read this out loud, just how it is. Um, because it's so perfect. 
And it's truly what I believe we are right now in this world. So I'm going to read it to you. It's called Easter the New Year. There will be no end to the new creation. It is true that faith and hope do at present seem to us to be looking forward to the new age so that we might assume that when that new age comes, that they will be redundant, meaning faith and hope. But Paul, you know, the Paul of of the Bible, (laughs) sees much deeper than that. Faith is the settled, unwavering trust in the one true God whom we have come to know in Jesus Christ. When we see him face to face, we shall not abandon that trust, but deepen it. Hope is the settled, unwavering confidence that this God will not leave us or forsake us, but will always have more in store for us than we could ask or think. I do not imagine for a minute that in the coming age, we shall arrive at a point where, where we shall have experienced everything the new world has to offer And we will become bored as imagined by some scornful contemporary visions of quote-unquote heaven. That actually is a gross character born of the bland talk about heaven that is characterized quote-unquote afterlife speculation in the Western world over the last century or two. In contrast, Because I believe that the God we know in Jesus is the God of utterly generous, outflowing love. I believe that there will be no end to the new creation of this God. And that within the new age itself, there will always be more to hope for, more to work for, more to celebrate. Learning to hope in the present time is learning not just to hope for a better place than we currently find ourselves in, but learning to trust the God who is and will remain the God of the future. Isn't that beautiful? That's the end of it. I'll tell you what this book is, and I'll put it in the show notes. It's On Earth As in Heaven by N.T. Wright. Isn't that beautiful, y'all? It's where we're at right now. We have it already. I love you. Good night. So, I used to be afraid of the dark. Like a legit fucking fear. There are lots of reasons why, and I'm certain I'll get to those in this podcast. But the fear of darkness was 
maybe one of the realest things I've ever felt. So much so that I usually sleep with a nightlight on. And not even a nightlight. I leave lights on in all uh, rooms in my house. And I always have. Something else that is, uh, has been uncomfortable for me is silence, quiet. Um, again, for lots of reasons. I just moved into a new apartment and I'm in love with it. I'm really in love with the bathtub. <laughs> and I took a bath the other night as I'm going through a spiritual awakening. And I took this bath in complete darkness with an eye mask um, and in complete silence. And I sat in my feelings that are complex until my energy moved. <laughs> and what was left was a golden feeling of peace and calm and connectedness. And I was reminded of a few things. One of them is the, uh, the old adage, you know, hello darkness, my old friend. You know, the old Simon and Garfunkel song. <laughs> Classic, by the way. Um, beautiful. Because what I really hear in that is comfort of a chosen family of listening to art creating reality, you know, the subway walls. Someone writes something down, whether it's in a book, whether it's, you know, published one way or another, the interwebs. But really what you should listen to is the shit that's not published, the shit that is anonymous. The shit that you create for creation's sake. Because art absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, creates our reality. That's fact. I'll talk more about that later in this podcast. But as I sat in the darkness in my tub, surrounded with care from my chosen family who has helped me immensely in the last let's say 90 days or so I realized I was safe I realized how beautiful shadow really is darkness if you will and how Shadow isn't an inch from the ditch. In fact, it is the same breath of love. Sometimes that is a hard pill to swallow, and I'm going to talk about that a whole lot, probably in these first 40 days that I release these, these podcasts. 
because I realized that shadow and darkness and silence are not cold and damp and encompassing. Maybe they're encompassing. They're more engulfing of vulnerability, right? Of empathy, of connection, of community. Because silence really is a cancer that grows within us. And it feeds off of fear, right? We talk about the words of the prophets on the subway walls. I think that's just interesting. Because I feel like we have shifted, right? Another song I thought of when I was sitting in the tub was a, a little song by my friend Ben Folds. You can look that up. Um, it's called Picture Window, also a collab. It's a collaboration there. And that song actually is when I stopped really hearing Ben. And that man has taught me more about myself by just being himself. And in that song, it's um, an impossible situation. If I remember the song correctly, you know, it's a, they're, they're in a hospital, it's a family member, and the first person speaks and says, hope is a bastard. It's a fucking liar, yo. Symbolism is all crap. They are pissed off at the situation, the impossible situation at hand in the hospital, death and pain shadow, darkness. And I like to think that this person is me because I've seen a lot of shadow. I talk about that a lot in this podcast. <laughs> but then, then I look out the window if I put myself in, in, in this position and I see fireworks Huh. Right in front of my eyes. And for a moment, for a beat, all the shadow is directed back to love, to beauty, to duality, if you will. Because in the same moment, somebody is dying and there is beauty being displayed in front of you. The song ends, Hope is a Bastard, because you come back to the 3D and sitting with the uncomfortable feeling. Rinse and repeat, right? I got fired from my job, my corporate job, because of reasons. Actually, no. The reason was because I spoke up about how mental health is health. And how I was struggling. 
and how I was being pushed too far. Um, and I didn't feel like in the moment that I had a choice. So I just kept taking care of myself and I kept pushing on, I kept pushing on. I wasn't going to miss work, right? And I didn't until I got help. And we'll talk about it. I had an EMDR session and I disassociated and I lost touch with reality. I lost time and I lost space. And as I was sitting in the bathtub the other night, thinking about these songs, thinking about empathy, thinking about chosen family, thinking about the silence that grows like a cancer in our world. I was brought back to an email that was sent out by my CEO in which they said, I am so happy that nobody in this company has gotten on the quiet quitting train. Now, I'll let you all look up what quiet quitting is for yourself. But, you know, a little synopsis, a little just tidbit of what it is, is basically protecting your own energy and walking away and setting boundaries. And this person, my CEO, said, I'm so glad no one's doing that. And you know what that did to me? Pissed me the fuck off. Hurt. I felt violated. Rightfully so, I'll say that. And as I sat in this tub, <laughs> after being fired, I realized that I wanted to say fuck that. I'm strong. I already have abundance. I already have wealth. I already have a family. I already have support. I'm taken care of. And that's beautiful. You know what that is? That's golden. And so I think that CEO for sending that email because it showed me how powerful and strong and beautiful and confident and vast and loving that I am. And you all are too. I think I'll end for tonight. I hope that you guys can take a little bit of comfort, some peace, and know that you can lay your head on your pillows tonight a little safer, a little bit more secure, knowing that quiet quitting, darkness, silence is all golden. Is all uh, hi, y'all. It's, it's LJ here. I didn't realize I hit record yet. 
<laughs> that's about right. That's on par. <laughs> par for the course for me. <laughs> so I'm just getting my day started. Well, that's unfair. I'm just sitting down to record. I've been up for a while. I used to sleep in a lot more by sleeping in, you know, eight, nine. The real thing is I used to sleep 10 hours a night. And I don't feel like I have to do that anymore. I feel like I can be my true self and connect with who I am more and more these days. And as I sat down after (laughs) getting up this morning and just taking some moments to be within my own presence, my own self, grounding myself. I sit down and I go to check in with, 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 with the universe, with myself, with God in the mirror. And I pull up a book that I've had for a while. And I didn't really know much about this person, this woman, Pima Chandran. But what I knew was I was really, really drawn to her. And I have this little pocketbook of hers, of, of, of tidbits of wisdom, if you will. She's a Tibetan Buddhist, and she's an ordained nun, I just found out. Um, but what I was drawn to was her smile on the cover of this book. It's so warm. It's so welcoming. And her eyes say, I have a story to tell. I have wisdom to bring. And as I sat down to connect with her, I realized that I'm connected to so many people, such a big community, soul mates, if you will. See, I don't believe in just one soulmate as one word. How I see it is soul-mate. And what's a mate? A friend, a chosen family, a community. And as I sat down to connect with her to see what wisdom she might have for LJ today, (laughs) I was flooded with even more support. And I'm going to tell you about that um, through the lens of, of, of my eyes this morning. So... I pulled her book out and I turned to page 124, which is Lesson 75 and 76. And I'm just going to read this to you verbatim because it's that good. 75 starts with, and I had to look up this word, how to spell it, well, how to say it. I see how to spell it. (laughs) And it's uh, bodhicitta. So bodhicitta is always available. Bodhicitta. The tenderness of the awakened heart is available in moments of caring for things. When we clean our glasses, we brush our hair, (laughs) 
It's available in moments of appreciation. When we notice the blue sky, or we listen to the rain, it's available in moments of gratitude when we recall kindness, or we recognize another person's courage. It is available in music and dance and art and in poetry. Whenever we let go of holding on to ourselves and we look at the world around us, whenever we connect with sorrow, whenever we connect with joy, whenever we drop our resentment and complaint, in those moments, bodhicitta is here. And I'm going to go on to lesson 76, which is remaining steady. And I just want to just say a little synopsis of this is, is emotions escalate. When you're hooked, you're hooked. And the only way out is with the mind, through the mind, in the mind, and not your outer circumstances. And what she goes on to say is emotional turmoil begins with an initial perception, a sight, sound, a thought, which gives rise to a feeling of comfort or discomfort. This is the subtlest level of Shinpa, the subtlest stage of getting hooked. Energetically, there is a perceptible pull it's like wanting to scratch an itch. We don't have to be advanced meditators to catch this either. The initial tug of for, in quotes, or against, in quotes, is the first place we can remain as steady as a log. Just experience the tug and relax into the restlessness of the energy without fanning this ember with thoughts. If we stay present with the rawness of our direct experience, emotional energy can move through us without getting stuck. Now, of course, this isn't an easy practice. Easy is an interesting word. <laughs> I think about that a lot when I face these kinds of moments of and both, these paradoxical, seemingly paradoxical, no, they're paradoxical moments. And what I'm brought back to this morning, though, are three words, calm, Stillness, ordinary. Ordinary, man. Now that used to really bug me. <laughs> I didn't want to be ordinary. I wanted to be great and vast and sparkling and beautiful. I want to burst into flames. And as I remember just now that we can be both. It is both. It is and. It is calm. It is stillness. It is ordinary. 
It is impossible. It is vast. We are sparkling. (laughs) We are beautiful. I pulled a card this morning, too, from a deck um, of cards called the Mindfulness Cards. And it talks about boredom and how it's often a sign of calm mixed with restlessness. And that the, the, the call to action or the, the process, what we have to do is to let go of the restlessness and appreciate the stillness of the moment. Because there is always enjoyment to be found in the ordinary, right? Why is that so uncomfortable? Ordinary isn't a bad word. It's a beautiful word. We're all ordinary. We're all peaceful and calm. We are all reborn every day, every moment, if you choose. And on this card, it it does have a, a call to action. It says the next time you're feeling bored, just sit with the feeling for a few minutes. Enjoy the calm. Enjoy the moment. (laughs) One thing that uh, I'm reconnecting with as I sit more, as I have space to go slow now, is music. Now, music has never left me. That is the truth. We talk about this a ton on this podcast, but today I heard a new song. <laughs> And when it came to me, I stopped. I said, motherfuckers, <laughs> this was written for me. Let me look to see what the song is. Let me see who wrote the song. And let me tell you, the name of this band is the Okie Dokie Brothers. <laughs> I, I mean, I could have named the name of that band if, if it was up to me. <laughs> and that's the beauty of music. Music spiritual, music is connecting, music is collaboration, which is all the things that I talk about on this podcast, will continue to talk about on this podcast, will continue to hold space for on this podcast. Hopefully I'll get to interview the Okie Dokie Brothers one day soon. I'll definitely add them in the show notes. But when this song came on this morning as I was, you know, getting ready to sit down, taking care of my cats, gardening a little bit, making some tea and whatnot. This song played out my life. In fact, in my notes right here, I wrote basically just my life. Because it is, and I encourage you all, please, any person who listening to this podcast right now, it's a real short song. Go listen to it. 
I think it's under two minutes, couple minutes, maybe three minutes most. We all got three minutes today to sit, I think. And what a beautiful way to just experience yourself within song. Because, yeah, I wrote, basically, this is my life now. And uh, one thing I used to never feel like I could do, uh, which was a lie, was exercise and move my body for a lot of reasons. And we, again, we'll get into all of that. <laughs> I don't really quite remember the I Actually, I think I remember the lyric. I think it's like, do one push-up. <laughs> and since I've been in this new home that I'm in now, I just keep going, okay, I guess I'll do just like one exercise. <laughs> I'll do an exercise today. And sometimes it has been just three push-ups. Um, the other day it was it was 10 little whatever they are, the back of your arms, one of those tricep drop things. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, I actually I can do eight, you know, three sets of eight of those. <laughs> But one exercise, and you build upon that. Now, there's a lot in that song. Really, you can listen to it. It's like legit, pretty sure I was written it for my life. <laughs> but one thing a day, and that's maybe what I can encourage and take from this song, is just choose one thing to change, one thing to focus on. And, and change isn't completion or perfect, perfectionism or perfect ever you can be different each day and your change can be different each day the the idea of goals uh can can we can we can shift that perception we can shift that thought at least i did i used to beat myself up so badly uh when i would be like oh i'm gonna do xyz and I didn't X, Y, Z perfectly. In fact, I'll tell you uh, one thing that I decided to change. It was actually yesterday and work on. Is I wanted to learn how to juggle. <laughs> I'm like, look, y'all, I know how to juggle. You just take two balls, you throw them, you shift them, you move, you groove. And, and yeah, I think, I don't think I have the muscle memory for juggling. And I needed to Google some shit, YouTube some shit, and find a friend of mine. Now, her name has eluded me. Uh, I, I, I wrote down in my notes, tag juggle chick. <laughs> and I will. Um, and I encourage you guys to go find her as well. Because she showed me this video, and it slowed me down. And it was exactly what I needed to see visualize because remember I'm on the autism spectrum I needed to see those pictures that she put up and then see the task at hand and then I was able to start to practice it was it perfect no <laughs> no is it is it ever perfect you know we're perfectly imperfect so in that case sure <laughs> But what I did was slow down. Take a breath, friends. 
Bock it up, if you will. <laughs> oh, there's a little video also on YouTube. I don't know if you guys know it. Uh, I think it's Put It in Reverse Terry. Um, <laughs> and that shit makes me laugh so much. Y'all should, I'll put that in the show notes too. Y'all should definitely follow, um, follow, uh, Ronolf, I believe is his name, their name. I'll make sure and put that all in the notes. But it's this funny video of uh, a black man who has a hurt leg in a wheelchair. And this man wanted to light some fireworks on the 4th of July. And he had some assists, some assistants, you know, the guy, man holding the camera. Uh, the Chico, the kid helping him light <laughs> the firework. And they even were like, yo, Terry, there's some cars coming. <laughs> and Terry's like, All right, whatever, man, I just want to light this firework. <laughs> and, and he does. And it's great. And it's wonderful. And it's hilarious. Look, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to do it justice. Hopefully y'all seen it. If you haven't, again, take just a few minutes, hop on over to YouTube and uh, you know, make sure to like, rate, review, comment on that video. But he lights the firework and he forgets to back up his wheelchair. <laughs> and they can't figure it out. I mean, he figures it out, but they're all laughing. And they're <laughs> and it's hilarious. It's so funny. Um, and it reminds me to not take myself so seriously ever. In fact, when I forget something or, or I, I, I say, back it up, Terry. And I go, oh, that's a good, that's good advice. <laughs> and I laugh. And I go, oh, yeah, just back it up, LJ. Just think, okay, what was the last, where where did I see that last? You know where it's at. Tap into that intuition. Find that. Another thing that I'm doing as I'm reconnecting with music is I'm thinking about all the times that I've uh, played music, been a part of music, and one of them that keeps coming back is my high school cello days. Well, let's even back it up further. Uh, elementary school, junior high, high school, even after, you know, like played that cello. <laughs> and the other day I thought about the video from Terry. And, and then I thought about my my classical hoe, you know, Bach. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm going to start saying it like, back it up. <laughs> Which then made me think of a funny story from childhood <laughs> of a 4th of July at my grandparents' house at 1122. I'm going to start calling that my grandparents' house. It was a scary situation as a child. And we can hold space for that because it was terrifying and it, it created... Um, fears surrounding the 4th of July and noise and sound, which are triggers for me, for LJ. <laughs> because my family, I think I mentioned this in, in another podcast, but uh, <laughs> my grandma in particular was a bugger and a thugger, right? And uh, my family knew how to party, okay? But as a little kid, you know, they had to kind of be like, well, LJ, you know, XYZ. So, um, one fourth of July that I remember in particular was a wild one. 
uh, real wild. <laughs> I'm sure there was a lot of booze involved. <laughs> and they had, my family had fun. And, uh, you know, <laughs> part of it was them jumping off a roof. <laughs> Thinking it was funny. They all were fine. Uh, also, my Aunt Patty used to be like, yeah, we're not drinking, a, you know, we're not drinking uh, Bloody Marys. Here, why, why don't you just put some ketchup on some ice? Lick, lick that ketchup off that ice. I sure did. <laughs> Love ketchup to this motherfucking day, by the way. <laughs> and the scary part <laughs> was my dad was drunk as a skunk. <laughs> Living his life. Bugging and thugging. Love that guy. Shout out. Shout out to Jerry Dean. But I was sitting on my grandma's lap and they decided to light. You all remember them roaming candles. Do they still have those? Y'all be safe with your fireworks. Let's just say that first and foremost, safety. And I mean that in all sincerity. Uh, I have real big mom vibes. <laughs> I'm a mo- I was born a mom. Okay. Uh, I don't even apologize for that. But he lit these Roman candles, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, Roman candles can become loose if you shake them or move them or whatever. And you're not supposed to hold them in your hand. You're actually supposed to light them on the ground, uh, much like Terry was doing. But my dad thought, oh, it'd be fine. Let's just pick them up and that, you know, make make more of a show. Sure. And a Roman candle landed in my lap, lit, about to explode. And I was sitting in my grandma's lap. And my grandma just fucking threw me across. We were in the backyard, just threw me out. And it was fine. The Roman candle went away. It exploded. Everything was fine. It was protection. And it caused a fear in my life, a trigger in my life of not only sound, but fireworks. Um, I still struggle with that. I think I will always probably be a part of a trigger. Though I will say Memorial Day was just a couple days ago. Uh, They had a big celebration um, in Kansas City, and I was able to see the fireworks from my new home. And I walked outside and met a new friend. His name's Bill. (laughs) I'm going to call him Grandpa Bill. And that man came out... And he was like, hi. And I was like, hi, because I wanted to go look at the fireworks from a distance. And I was like, I really want to see those fireworks. And he's like, let's let's sit down and watch them. And so we watched for a few beats together. And I wanted to get closer. And I was scared still, even being that far away. But I walked closer, y'all, by myself, and I finished the show. You know how fireworks are. Can you ever really get them great on camera? Maybe now. I'm going to look at buying a new phone and getting a new camera and all that stuff soon. But I took video of it, too. And it was, I got right, I walked right up to it almost as the finale was coming. You know that finale of the fireworks display where it's, all the fireworks all at once and it's huge and beautiful 
and fast and pa 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 pa. And I felt joy and I felt connection and I felt love. And I feel like I healed a lot of that trigger, a lot of that fear from that 4th of July at 11.22 that I now see pulled back. I can see the forest a bit for the trees because it feels different to me now. And I think that that's powerful. No, I know that's powerful. I'm powerful. You're powerful. I have seen a lot of shadow in my life. Part of the shadow I've seen in my life is a lot of death. A lot of death. In fact, not only have I had a lot, and I repeat it again, a lot of death in my personal life, I've also worked in the death care industry. I worked at a funeral home called Heartland Cremation and Burial Society. I can tag them in the show notes. (laughs) Because they are my chosen family, and they always have been. But I was thinking about death today and holding space again for duality and shadow, paradox. And I came across a new podcast that I'm going to listen to. In fact, I think you can probably find my playlists on Spotify. One of them is episodes, and I can make sure that those are clear so you can find these uh, in my podcast episodes. But I just downloaded a few that I encourage you to go listen. The name of the podcast is It's Okay That You're Not Okay. The creator is Megan Divine. And I listened to a trailer, just her trailer today, as I am teaching myself, learning from others on how to not only get sponsorships for commercials and things for this podcast support, um, but also like how to do show notes. Uh, I have lots of friends who are in podcasting, um, but I was led to her specifically today. And I listened to her trailer, and what I took from her trailer was a quote, a lot, a lot of shit, or a lot of shit down. One of it is crowdsource, crowdsource hope, and that's how I'm going to find my support, is I'm going to crowdsource hope. Another thing that I wrote down was a quote from her trailer that says, the tough stuff is my happy place, and if that shit didn't speak to me, um, I am not sure anything else did today because the tough stuff is my happy place. As I talked about grief and being in the death care industry, death comes to me a lot. People who are about to die, animals that are about to die. In fact, 
a part-time gig that I had for a while when I first moved back home to Kansas City was with a little company called Pet Pals. Might tag, might fuck around and tag them in the show notes too. Um, uh, because man, not only do animals heal me and are part of my soul, I was brought animal after animal. I, I brought him to myself, animal after animal after animal who was about to die. Time and time again, I cannot, it's what happens. I mean, I can literally count four on my hand right now. So the tough stuff is my happy place, I think is what I'm trying to say. Not I think that's what I'm trying to say. Another few notes that I just wrote down, and I'm just going to read them because I want to direct you back to her podcast, Megan's podcast, or Megan's podcast, which is It's Okay That You're Not Okay, as well as her book, Refuge and Grief, and maybe that's her tag. I found her refuge in grief. That's how I found her. Um, the other words I wrote down were survive. We focus on real world hope and what that looks like. I focus on right now it feels it is this collective sweep of awful things. What does that mean? I mean, I can tell you what that means without even listening to her podcast episodes. We are in a collective uh tailspin out of healing we have a choice to heal but the collective sweep of awful things is a fallout from the pandemic a fallout from covid a fallout from all of those deaths from covid i want to hold space for that number i don't know that number but talk about vast that number is vast and that number of deaths of souls who have left this earth in this incantation deserve love, care, honor, respect. Because what we're left with now is the is the healing part of it. And it is a collective sweep of awful things. And we can go on a, a smaller level, the death of a loved one. And I could go deeper, but I'm going to stop there. Because the thing that I want to bring to this podcast that Megan brings to her podcast are these words that I wrote down. Grief, loss, trauma. And activism. If I've ever heard anything described uh, of me, <laughs> LJ, it's those words. So again, I I really I encourage you to go do all your research. Everybody I've mentioned, I'll make sure are in the show notes because we credit deserves to go where credit is due. I'm going to end on this. This is a bit, 
So listen, I found a few things in my basement here. I'm just going to show you just these few things. Uh, um, as I moved into this new home, <laughs> I found a couple things in the basement I wanted to use. One of it is this thing. I'm not exactly sure how we made it, uh, but it's a it's an instrument, and I use it a lot. It's uh, that's the noise it makes. Another thing I found was this book. By Nicholas Carr, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. It's called The Shallows, is the book. And I turned to a page because I was interested in um, how Nicholas uh, did his table of contents, actually, talking about autism and how I see the world. Um, because it was chapter, chapter, and then there was this digression. <laughs> and I digress a whole lot. Um, and as I'm seeing it, that's a beautiful thing. And so the digression, I'm just going to read just a, a blurb from this book, um, this, this chapter called A Digression. One, I'm going to read this thing that says, on what the brain thinks about when it thinks about itself. And I'm just going to read this down. I'm going to defer back to science. <laughs> And the scientific method, that's just a note I wrote. But the quote I want to read is this. The source of consciousness lies beyond the grasp of consciousness. Physicians and philosophers from classical times through the Enlightenment had to deduce the brain's function by examining and dissecting the clumps of grayish tissue they lifted from the skulls of corpses and other dead animals. The beauty of the circle of life of how, this is my note, the beauty of the circle of life, how we come back to the earth, how death is beautiful and tragic and impossible and encompassing. The rest of this quote is, what they saw, so from the skulls of corpses and other animals, was this. What they saw usually reflected their assumptions about human nature or, more generally, the nature of the cosmos. They would, as, excuse me, as Robert Martinson describes in The Brain Takes Shape, fit the visible structure of the brain into their preferred metaphysical metaphor, arranging the organ's physical parts so as to portray likeness in their own terms. And that's in quotes, so as to portray likeness in their own terms. And there's a little number by it too. And you just flip to the back of the book and you find that too, I didn't, but that's how you, that's how you quote people. That's how it's done so as to portray likeness in their own terms. I hope you all took some tidbits from that because it was a pretty powerful morning for me. And as always, I do love you. I love you all. Uh, so I just 
got some fun things in the mail uh, from Amazon that were overnighted and delivered with care. Uh, Y'all make sure and order shit from Amazon. Do your research and uh, try to support local, you know, creators or and make sure that, you know, you support the people that, that get the money, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. And I opened my new keyboard to type up my show notes. <laughs> and I'm really excited. It's pink, y'all. Uh, it looks like a typewriter, which also makes me really, really happy. I used to have a keyboard like that for my other computer. So this is fun. And I opened it up, came right on time. And as I'm opening it, I thought of a funny story that I thought I'd just tell you. Um, and yeah, because we all need more humor in our life. So I used to work at a little bank called Bank of America back in the day. <laughs> Happened to get fired from that bank too. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a story for another day uh, because it was really uh, no fault of my own um, at the end of the day. And it brought me to bigger, grander things like my job at Heartland Cremation and Burial Society and in the death industry. And I had a lot of friends there. Uh, I still consider them chosen family. One of them, his name is Chris. And uh, he was amazing and hilarious. And one of my other friends there was was Terry. And we laughed a lot at that job. (laughs) Like a fucking lot. Uh, And one day, um, I could tell you lots of stories. (laughs) But one day, we got a delivery of of marketing materials in, I believe, if I remember correctly. It's been just like a couple years ago. I could do the math. How old am I? 41. I was right out of high school, 18-ish. <laughs> I, a long time. You, you guys can do the math for me. <laughs> but we got these marketing materials in, and, you know, Chris was always really good at being slow. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he'd count the money really slow. He'd be like, you know, five twenties equal a hundred, just count to five and or LJ. You just have to go slow, you know? And I'm like, okay, you're right. Slow. <laughs> and I always struggled going slow. But it was funny and it proved a lot of really cute stories. And one of them we got these marketing materials in the day. We're unpacking the boxes. And again, this was X, Y, Z years ago. And (laughs) as we're unpacking all this shit, and I was just unpacking all this, they had some of these plastic things that are balloons, right? Filled with air to keep the contents safe within the box as you open (laughs) And LJ had the great idea to take these plastic pillow things and put them in her bra um and I did and uh, and then I go oh yeah blah 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 you know making you know Dolly Parton big boob jokes blah 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 <laughs> it was really funny <laughs> and so anyway I shoved these in and I'm like oh now what am I gonna do with these I'm gonna be funny and so <laughs> I take the scissors and I stab both boobs <laughs> And they deflate, and it's hilarious. And then I look down, and I have two holes in my shirt from where my nipples should be. Oh, I did not do that today, though I did think about doing it today. Luckily, I don't have a bra on. I hardly wear those anymore, which is also very free. Free the nipple. 
Um, we could hashtag that part of it. <laughs> and to all my uh, Bank of America hoes and bros, <laughs> I sure do love you all. And I uh, hope you all are having a good day. <laughs>